So we've been going through the holy history, and we've uh, the theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, uh, verse 11, and says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. That's us, right? So all of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history. Um, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. And when we look at Israel, we're going to and have been seeing God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring uh, all the people of the earth, all the nations of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. And this begins with Abraham. So if you go and if you've done one of those read through the Bible things and you started in Genesis, uh, you read through Genesis chapters, uh, chapters 1 through 11, and you basically see uh, an account of uh, you know, creation and, and how the earth began and all the way to the point where the nations are separated in chapter 11 at the Tower of Babel. Well, then God picks one man out of all of those people, one man who was listening and one man who was believing what he heard, right? See, God is speaking to you all the time. Did you know that? He really is. He's speaking through creation. He's speaking through your conscience. And if you are reading, he's speaking through the canon of scripture. That's all the time, every day. You say, well, where is God? I would say he's everywhere and he's speaking all the time. The question is not whether he's speaking. The question is whether you are paying attention. And of course, there are so many distractions, um, so many different things that are vying for our attention. I, I mean, everybody's face is buried in one of these all the time. Honestly, it's just like technology. It's what I said. It's a blessing, but you know, it can be a curse too because you're never really present in the moment you're paying attention to this, right? Oh, well, I posted that, and oh, somebody sent me this. It's like this has become more important than face-to-face -face contact, and that's simply not the case, friends. You need to put a premium on face-to-face -face contact. That's really, really important. And churches, man, this is old school. You're all sitting there in chairs, and now, you know, it's not as old school if you're watching online, um, but you're sitting there in chairs, and we're singing, and we're, you know, I'm preaching, and it's just different, right? We don't have the, the type of interaction that we do, even online. I mean, you're able to, you know, if somebody wanted to, uh, to send a message on, on YouTube right now about what they thought about this, then, you know, they can do that. Now, there's nobody monitoring that right now, so it'll take me a few hours to reply to you. Um, <laughs> But in any event, and even in church, you know, you could say amen, or you can be like the little girl and go screaming up the aisle. I mean, uh, you know, and there are churches where that's like really, you know, what people do. I went to a church in Shreveport, and that, is it Shreveport? Yeah, Shreveport, Louisiana. Is that where Billy, uh, uh, Jimmy's church is, Shreveport? No? Yes? Maybe? Baton Rouge, not Shreveport. Shreveport is the casinos, and I've never been to one of those, by the way. <laughs> That's, if you have, then bless you, but you wasted a lot of money, probably. But no, Baton Rouge, all right? So there's a certain ministry down there, and we have a, a lady that was attending our church for some years uh, that really, really wanted me to go down there, and they were having some sort of a, a rally or I don't know what. It was a weekend thing. And she really wanted me to go down there because she is all about this particular TV minister in Baton Rouge. So I was like, sure, I'll go down there. Um, you know, so she paid the way and I drove down there and they are, I think they're Assembly of God. Um, 
So their services are a little bit different than ours. We have some assemblies people that are here, and uh, maybe you kind of keep it tamped down a little bit from what you were used to when you were growing up. Um, but I mean to tell you, like right in the middle of the preacher's sermon, this dude, like young adult man, about, about Felix's age, just got up and started running around the room. He started doing laps around the, you know, the pews. And I was like, oh, well, there you go. And nobody that was there in the room was bothered by it. I was like, I guess this kind of thing just goes on all the time. Maybe if we did that, some of our young people would pay more attention. They would be like, okay, lap time. And they get up and they're <laughs> running around. The, what we have is we have nap time, right? <laughs> but nonetheless, um, we're trying to engage and get you to pay attention and get you to turn away from these devices for just a few moments. And I really am trying to keep your attention and keep this message down to a, uh, a digestible form, okay? So we've been in the Holy History. We, we went back and we looked at Abraham the last couple of Sundays. And last week, as I told you, I didn't want to keep you here too long, so we didn't go through all seven of the promises that were made to Abraham. But... Uh, I'm just going to run through them very quickly. I'm going to review last week and then jump into this week. So God told Abraham to leave his country, leave his home, leave his family, right? Leave his father's house and go to a land that God would show him. He didn't even know where he was going. That takes some faith, don't you think? Now, you know, if, you, if Abraham was single like me and didn't have a lot of property, I mean, if the Lord said, get up and go, I mean, it would be hard for me to leave y'all for sure. But it wouldn't be hard for me to do because I don't have a bunch of people or property or anything, you know, to move. Uh, you know, most of my stuff is in storage right now, so I could just keep paying the storage and then go, right? But with Abraham, this was a huge proposition. He's going to take his whole family and he's going to go somewhere that he doesn't know. Just God says, just follow me, right? Do you have that kind of faith? That if God said, go, you don't say no, you say where? Just show me the way, Lord, and I'll go wherever you want. Well, Abraham was that way. And then Abraham made, uh, God made seven promises to Abraham. Number one, he said, I will make of you a great nation. Remember, at the time that God made this promise, Abram, that was his name. God changed it to Abraham. Abram didn't even have a son, right? Um, but he did have the promised son, Isaac. And so it's Abraham, Isaac. Isaac had twin boys, and the chosen of those two was Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel, who had 12 sons, and there you have the 12 tribes of Israel. We, as I said last week, are now a nation of priests, right? God has made of Abraham a nation of priests, and if you are a believer, as Abraham was a believer, you've put your faith in Jesus, then you're a part of that nation of priests. And here's the passage that I quoted to you last week from 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. For whose possession? So that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness, that's the world, that's your whatever your ethnicity or nationality or whatever, without Christ, it's darkness, right? And into his marvelous light. For you once were not a people. He's talking to Gentiles, but now you are the people of God. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Do you have faith? Do you have that? Then you are a nation of priests. That's your primary identity. The second blessing that God promised Abraham is, I will bless you and make your name great. Um, certainly, God blessed Abraham by virtue of the relationship that he had with Abraham. And that relationship conferred 
favor. My friends, what you and I want more than anything else in the world is God's favor. If you have God on your side, nothing and no one can stand against you. Amen? You are going to be successful at every single thing you do in his name. Now, that doesn't mean that we can't make mistakes and stumble and fall and, and do things outside of the will of God, and those things are not successful. But uh, if you have God's favor, I mean, everything is ultimately, not always immediately, but everything is ultimately going to go your way because you're going his way, and God makes everything ultimately go his way. Amen? He really does. This earth is his, right? Now, he gave human beings... Um, the, the management over the earth, and human beings have chosen to believe lies, have chosen to believe the father of lies, have chosen to believe the prince of darkness, the prince of the power of the air, and that's how Satan, the adversary, became um, the god of this world, little g. But see, that's only because human beings who God gave control of the earth to have chosen to believe him and give him control. So when you consider woke politics more important than Jesus, when you consider alt-right politics more important than Jesus, you're just playing Satan's game. That's all there is to it. What we need to do is we need to abide in the blessings of Christ. And he said uh, that I will also, I will make your name great. Um, that's important. God wants you to have a good name. Uh, in the Proverbs, Proverbs 22.1, it said a good name, it says a good name is better than silver and gold. God wants you to have a good reputation. He wants you to have a good name. I didn't say this last week, but I'm going to be honest with you. God wants you to have good credit. That's part of having a good name. You say, oh, preacher, now you're stepping on my toes because <laughs> I have terrible credit. You know what? I did too for a while. I went through some things in the early 2000s. I spent money that I didn't need to spend, and it was supposedly on ministry, by the way. I just was doing what I thought was right and doing what I thought was good, racked up a bunch of credit card debt, and destroyed my credit rating. So for close to 20 years, I just didn't even use credit, and uh, I was uh, leasing from Nissan during that period of time, and they didn't ever check my credit because I always paid my payment on time, and so they just gave me a new lease, new lease, new lease, new lease, and it came to a point where then they suddenly, randomly decided to look at my credit, which I hadn't used for, at that point, 15 years. I figured all that stuff would have washed off. Hey, I got news for you. It's supposed to wash off after seven. They find ways to keep it on there. It is a scam, man. The credit reporting agencies are in bed with the credit card companies. I'm guaranteeing you that. So all I did was pay all my bills and do what I was supposed to do, but I used no credit cards for like close to 20 years. Just used my check card, and I had a, a company, American Express, and that was it. But when I went to, I went to a Toyota dealer, and I was going to buy, or lease, I can't remember which, uh, a Toyota um, Camry. Isn't that what you just bought, Pastor Craig? It was a, I was going to buy one of those, believe it or not, in 2000, the year I bought your truck. All right, And it was great, and I thought it was going to work good. And then the guy checked my credit, and I hadn't looked at my credit in forever. And he's like, um, hang on. You're going to have to go deal with this, this, and this. And I was like, what? That was like 2002, and this is 2015, right? So it's, you know, they find ways. But, you know, ultimately, uh, I figured it out. Um, what I had to do was I had to get a couple of credit cards again, and then use them, just like, you know, you buy a lot of stuff online, 
Don't ever use your check card online because then if that gets compromised, the money comes straight out of your bank account, right? So I got a couple of credit cards and I just pay them off every month, every month, every month, every month, every month. So I'm gonna give you real numbers here, real talk. You ready? My credit had dropped down to where it was, uh, my credit rating was 635. My credit rating right now is at 800. That happened over a period of about two years. And all I did was pay my bills, right? Well, previously the bills that I was paying weren't properly recorded with these scam artists, credit reporting agencies. But see, credit cards do. That's just the way it is. Um, God wants you to have good reputation. I think he wants you to have good credit. He wants you to be able to do things, right? Um, there are blessings that the Lord wants, but there are things that we have to do. We have to be obedient, right? So um, as I said earlier, the greatest blessing was God's favor on Abraham's life. So then uh, we get into uh, what you do with that, which is God says, I will bless you. And then to Abraham, he said, and I will make you a blessing, yeah. right? And so Abraham has indeed been a blessing to the nations, primarily because of Jesus. Abraham is the, the, the father of faith and the forebearer of Jesus. And Jesus is the one that gives us access to uh, the, the olive tree of God's people, the kingdom of God. We put faith in Jesus. We have faith like Abraham, the believer. But see, I believe that these uh, promises are for you as well. God wants you to be a blessing. And see, this is why I would spend a little bit of time saying I think God wants you to have good credit because I think God wants you to have enough money so you can be a blessing to other people, amen? Not so that you can just say, hey, I got a lot of money in the bank. It, you, your money won't go with you, but he does want you to be a blessing. And as I said last week, he wants you to be a blessing with your time, right? Some of us are, are very selfish with our time. We'll go to work because we have to, because that's where we earn our money. But when somebody wants us to go do something with them, we're like, eh. And I'm, I'm pointing at myself here because a lot of times, you know, I, I will get invited to go do something and I'm like, oh, golly, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and I look at those of you that have, that have families and it's like, how many birthday parties do you have to go to a year? A hundred? Like seriously, man, there's like, especially when your kids are younger, there's like a birthday party every weekend, right? You can go broke buying presents for all of these people in their birthday parties. Now, I'm not trying to be a Scrooge, an anti-birthday party person or anything like that. I'm just saying, sometimes I just don't wanna do that. But you know, sometimes spending a little bit of time with people is what we need to do, amen? So I had someone that I hadn't talked to in forever uh, that, this is a person that will just randomly call me. Do you have anybody like that? You haven't heard from them in months and then they will randomly call you. And you know, there's always something. So this person wanted me to meet, uh, meet them for lunch and meet somebody else. And they were trying to uh, you know, introduce our church to this other person. And so we ended up meeting over at Intrinsic. And uh, you know, again, as soon as I, I heard, hey, I want you to meet this, uh, this person that you've, you've never met before, I'm like, okay, what are you trying to hook me up or what, right? Because this was a lady. This is a, a lady, a married lady that I've known forever. And she wants to introduce me to this single lady. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> Homie, don't play that way. 
But she knew that I might think that. She said, no, 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 that's not what it's about. I want you to, you know, to this lady to meet you because, you know, I told her about your church. I was like, okay, so that's fine. So went over to Intrinsic and in spite of the fact that it wasn't necessarily a meeting that I initially wanted because I'm just selfish with my time, um, it ended up being great. And then after the meeting, she gave me this shirt. Isn't that awesome? I know, it's great. Okay. It was almost like a reward. It was like, a, oh, by the way, I bought this for my husband and it won't fit him. Do you want it? I was like, sure, why not? And then I thought I would wear it this morning because, you know, it's fancy. Doesn't it look fancy? Yeah, right. Um, so he wants us to be a blessing. Our time, our talent, our treasure. Now let's get into this week. I will bless those who bless you. What do you do when someone gives you a gift? Do you receive it? And then what do you do? Do you thank them for it? Do you immediately feel obligated to give them something? We do, don't we? <laughs> That's why everybody thinks I'm a Scrooge around Christmas because I, you know, I just, I think when you give gifts, it just should be, hey, I'm giving a gift. And if you receive it, it should just be, hey, I'm receiving it. There shouldn't be this sense of obligation. It's like, oh man, thank you for the gift. What am I gonna get her, right? It's kind of the way we are, right? But here's what I'm saying. Are you a believer? Do you believe in Jesus? Yes. Right? Okay. Then you participate in this promise, and God promises that those who bless you will be blessed. Those who are kind to you will be blessed by God. Let people be nice to you. Quit batting it aside. Oh, no, no. I'm just a loser. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. I can't do anything. You know, man, let them be nice to you, right? Say thank you. I, I'm not a, about self-love and, and you know, self-affirmation and all these sorts of things. But I think you need to recognize when you have certain gifts and you use them and it's a blessing to people and they thank you for it, receive the compliment. Don't just say, oh, it was nothing. No, it was not nothing. If you blessed somebody with what you're able to do, let's say you're, you, know, you know how to work on cars and you help somebody with their car. You were a blessing to them with that skill that you have, right? Um, our ladies that sing up here on Sunday morning, our musicians that play up here on Sunday morning, receive the compliment. You're not being cocky by saying, well, thank you. Thank you. And praise God. Because God gave you the gift, right? I mean, not everybody can do that. Not everybody can do what you do. When teachers, I got a bunch of teachers in this room. Um, your students are not always appreciative, but I bet they are plenty of times, right? Right, they love you, they, they thank you. They're gonna remember you, man. So I, I, I hate to promote this guy because he's just, uh, he's got, uh, I'm not concerned about his controversy, I'm concerned about how blue his comedy is sometimes. But I watched uh, the address uh, that Dave Chappelle gave to his former uh, arts high school um, in DC, okay? Uh, the Duke Ellington School is what it's called. Well, if you guys know anything about Chappelle, he did this, uh, this show, I guess you would call it, on Netflix last year that just got an incredible amount of flack. Now, I'm not gonna go into the detail about it, but it was about uh, his, 
he's making a joke uh, about LGBT folk and so forth. Now, he's not anti-LGBT. I'm not going to defend the guy. Again, he's not like a believer or something like that. But I'm saying this because I want you teachers to hear something, all right? So Chappelle's up there, arguably the best comedian in our era from a worldly perspective, right? Virtually any comedian will tell you, no, Chappelle is the gold standard, right? Now, again, if you, I'm not encouraging you to watch him, especially if you're younger. He's he got some rough stuff, okay? He really does. Um, but the guy can just talk and be so engaging, it's like you just keep listening to him, right? And some of it's funny and some of it's poignant and some of it is, you know, wow, really on the edge there, okay? And he's saying things. But he was up in front of this group of people and he was raw and honest about his feelings because what happened, uh, he was supposed to have this auditorium, the theater uh, there at the Duke Ellington School was supposed to be named the Dave Chappelle Theater. And all the little woke kids at Duke Ellington followed the cancel culture and they lined up and they opposed him. This guy has given millions of dollars to that school. He's brought more recognition to that school than just about anybody else in our time period. But the little wokesters didn't want that theater to be named after him because they're just following what everybody online is telling them, right? And so Chappelle, when he got to the end of this address, um, he went through teachers that were there that had blessed him, and he was in tears on stage because of how strongly he felt about that school and the teachers who taught him and how much he loved them. Your job is important. They may not seem like they're terribly appreciative at the time, but my goodness, your job is important, educators. It is so important. What you do, what you have done is important because you never know who you're gonna be shaping. And so he named all these teachers by name. And then at the end, he deferred and he said, I don't want this theater to be named after me because I don't want it to be a controversy. But he was still willing to be there. And so they named it uh, the Theater for Academic, or no, for Artistic Excellence and Freedom. See, he was getting his point across. It's about being an artist and being free to be an artist. Subtext that he filled in during his uh, talk, even if that's controversial. Man, you shouldn't have to do and say and think and be what everybody in this culture, or at least the loudest voices in this culture say you should be, right? You need to be like Jesus, right? And that's something that, you know, I, I wish Chappelle would come to Jesus, man. Uh, good grief, he'd be a preacher. But nonetheless, when people bless you, bless them back, be a blessing, right? Um, and uh, just allow them to bless you because if you're a person of God, when somebody blesses you, the Lord's gonna bless them. You don't have to worry about giving them a gift back. Now it's up to you if that's what you wanna do, but I'm just gonna tell you, if you give me a gift, I don't automatically worry about getting you a gift back because if I did that, I would go broke. If you decide you wanna give me a gift, dude, that's awesome, thank you. All right, the lady that gave me this shirt on Friday, I didn't automatically go, oh, what am I gonna get for her family? I was like, oh, I didn't even know if I would wanna wear it, but I'm, I'm getting fat, and so this shirt is big, and I thought, I'm gonna wear this shirt. 
because I fit into it, right? And I thought I would wear it this morning. I didn't know I was going to talk about it this morning. But nonetheless, if somebody gives you a gift, be thankful, be appreciative. And if the Lord prompts your heart to give them something back, give them something back. But it shouldn't be a trade. It should be just the generosity of your heart. Amen? Don't give reluctantly. Oh, man. Or under compulsion. Oh, I've got to. I've just got to. Right? Obsessive compulsive giver. Can you imagine that? Hey, don't you want to be on the other side of an obsessive compulsive giver? <laughs> They're constantly giving you stuff, right? Um, allow the Lord to bless them. If you're doing God's will, if you're living for Christ, then God will bless those who bless you. Amen? Uh, listen to this scripture. It's from Matthew 10, 42. And whoever gives one of these little ones just a cup of cold water to drink in the name of a disciple, truly I say to you, he shall by no means lose his reward. So even if somebody's not a believer and they bless you by providing for you, supplying for you, then God's going to be a blessing. And I love this one. Okay, before I get into this one, do you have people in your life that don't like you? Do you have people in your life that talk behind your back? Yes. And maybe they don't say the best things. How does that make you feel? Does it make you feel like you want to get them back? Oh, yeah, honey, you ain't seen nothing yet. And see, going back to this Chappelle thing, I mean, he, listen, the dude's got a razor-sharp tongue. He could have annihilated everybody that said anything to him from this Duke Ellington school. And he kind of did this one lady, by the way. Uh, apparently, there was a lady that went on the news last year, and she said that she was an alumni of Duke Ellington, and apparently she was in uh, the, the literature department or whatever. Anyway, she wasn't in uh, an artistic area where you have to put in a lot of extra work. So if you've ever been, uh, if you've ever been, you know, involved in a music program or a music degree or an art degree, I mean, there's just a whole lot of extra time involved. Uh, so Duke Ellington School is a whole lot like the school that uh, Sucre retired from. Um, the, the School of Performing Arts here in Dallas. Those students are there early in the morning. They go through all their academic classes. Then they go through all their art classes. And then they're there until late in the evening. If it's music, they may have juries, right? If it is some sort of pottery or painting, they're, you know, they're doing that. There's just a lot of extra time that's spent. But someone like this lady who was uh, apparently went on to uh, lambast Dave Chappelle last year uh, was not involved in that. And she said, I... I I come to this, I used to come to this theater and I would just meditate. This is my sanctuary. And then Chappelle said, and then she scrunched up her face. He said, she's a beautiful woman, but she scrunched up her face and made it really ugly. And she said, can you imagine what these children are going to be feeling like when they come into a theater with that man's name on it? <laughs> now see, you're laughing and all I did was tell his joke. So that was kind of his way of, you know, sort of getting back. But on the whole, he didn't, you know, he didn't, you know, jump back at those, uh, at those kids. He said, they're still young and they, they're just saying what other people are saying. They're, they're not relating any sort of original idea. They're just repeating what they've heard other people say. 
right? And that's by and large, until you get to the point where you think independently and you think critically, that's all you do. You're just little parrots. You say what other people say, okay? Um, nonetheless, you and I who are in Christ, when we have enemies, right? When we have opponents, when we have people that talk behind our back, when people that hate us, we do not strike back. We do not react in kind, okay? We don't act eye for eye and tooth for tooth. What's the golden rule? Right? Treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's a simple way of saying it. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not as they are doing unto you. Jesus said, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. None of that makes any sense unless we look at this promise. And him who dishonors you, I will curse. Woo! I ain't got to do a thing. Now, you know, you'll have these preachers that, you know, that'll scare everybody that, don't, man, don't you reach your, your hand out against a man of God, you're going to pull back a stump. <laughs> Miriam cursed Moses and she became leprous. And she did, by the way. I don't have to worry about it. All right? If somebody talks about me, and that's happened, I'm sure. Are you talking about me? What are you saying? If you dishonor me, you're bringing curses down on yourself and your household. Well, I'm not trying to talk to you and scare you about me. I want you to understand. Are you a believer? Are you in Christ? Then you don't have to strike back. God's got your back. Amen? Him who dishonors you, I will curse. Abraham was under God's protection. Even when Abraham did something wrong... Uh, he went to Egypt for a short period of time because it was a famine uh, in Canaan. And he lied and said that his wife was his sister because he thought that she was so beautiful that they would kill him to take her. Well, we find out later that she actually was his half-sister. Gross, I realize, but hey, they were weird back then. Um, but nonetheless, Pharaoh took her into his harem. This will also show you, by the way, those of you that talk about open marriage and all this drama, okay, um, this will also show you that God is real serious about adultery. So Pharaoh takes Sarai into his, uh, his harem because she's so beautiful, and Abram hasn't said that she's his wife. And all of a sudden, horrible things start happening to Pharaoh, right? You know, all around him, horrible things are taking place. And then he finds out that this is actually Abram's wife. And he said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Here, take your wife back. I don't want any part of that. Because even though he was a polytheist, he saw that God, whatever, you know, from his perspective, whatever God was on Abraham's side was cursing him. And he didn't want to have anything to do with that. And then he blessed Abram. He gave him like a bunch of extra stuff, you know, gold and silver and, and livestock and so forth. And said, get out of here, right? Man, if somebody does you wrong, you don't have to do them wrong back. You're in this promise. Those who dishonor you will be cursed. And you don't have to feel like, you know, why is God letting this happen? This is just the world. That's the world you and I live in, okay? Um, I like this from Exodus 14, 14, and this is what God said to Moses. He said, the Lord will fight for you. You just need to be still. The Lord will fight for you. You just need to be silent. And I've seen that happen. I've seen that happen where I'm just at my wit's end. I don't understand what's going on. 
People are running me down, ruining my reputation, which has a deleterious impact on this church. And I really don't know what to do about it. And God says, shh, I gotcha. I gotcha. And you know what? He always has every single time. Um, I'll give you a couple of more scriptures here. This is from Psalm 83, 16. The psalmist prays, fill their faces with shame that they may seek your name, O Lord. See, the purpose is not to um, harm your opponents, but it is to put them in a place where they are humbled to the degree that they will worship your God. And I like this. This is a promise that the Lord gave me uh, early on in ministry, and I could go into detail about this promise, um, but I won't right now. Um, let me see, because I, I have this all on a sheet. I want to make sure. There we go. This is from uh, Isaiah 41, 11 through 13. But do not kill them, Lord, our shield. Oh, this is, that's Psalm 59, 11. I'm sorry. Do not kill them, Lord, our shield, or people will forget and in your might, uproot them, make them wander about and bring them down. So God will bring them down. But this is what he says. This is the promise from Isaiah. All who rage against you will be surely will surely be ashamed and disgraced. Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. Amen? I don't have to get back at anybody. I don't have to talk back to anybody because God's got my back. And I offer that promise given to Abraham, which I have received and seen answered many times. I offer that promise to you because there are people like that in your life. Our response needs to be one of kindness and love, right? There's an old comedian uh, that my, uh, my old stepdad used to listen to. Um, his, uh, his name was uh, Brother Dave Gardner, right? He's from the South. And Brother Dave had some sort of Christian upbringing, and he said this. He said, love your enemies and drive them nuts. <laughs> That's it. Love your enemies and drive them nuts. They're all hating on you and talking trash about you, and you just love them. Now, that doesn't mean you've got to trust them. Right? You don't want to trust somebody that's dangerous or untrustworthy, but you can love them. You can pray for them, pray for those who persecute you. You can act in their best interest. That's what the Lord wants us to do. This is what uh, the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. He said, never repay evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all people, if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave a room for the wrath of God. You're going to come up against me? Hey, man, I'm backing off. I don't want to be anywhere near the wrath of God that's going to come in against you. Leave room for the wrath of God, for his written vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? All right, I don't have time to do anything with the last two promises except relate them to you. Um, uh, promise number six is, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. We are blessed because Abraham is the forebearer of Christ, right? Um, listen to what it says in Galatians 4, 4 through 7. But when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, 
that we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. We are blessed because of Jesus Christ. And finally, he says to Abram, to your offspring, I will give this land. Um, this is why I went back to Abram in the middle of the holy history where we were looking at them getting ready to go into the land of Canaan. God said all the way back 500 years before to Abraham, I'm going to give you this land. That's my promise. Once the sin of the Amorite is completed, God was given the Amorites, the people who live in that land, plenty of time to repent, and they weren't. And then God's going to send his people in to bring discipline. He said, I'm going to give you this land. To your offspring, I will give the... Well, this promise isn't related directly to us. We can't all, the people in this room that are not uh, Jewish people, we can't all say, well, that's my land. Israel is my land. It's not. It's their land. You and I have a different hope. We have a higher hope, right? We're promised the kingdom of God is our homeland. Amen? He's prepared a city and a home for each one of us. What did Jesus say? John 14, two through three, good place to conclude, by the way. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you because I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I am coming again and will take you to myself so that where I am, you may be also. And then finally, this is from Hebrews 11, 14 through 16. And this is, this is really right in the context of, of God talking about Abram and talking about the, the, the land of Canaan. He said, for those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. And that's not the United States, and I love this country. But this is not my primary home. And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country which they left, this is talking about these people that left their homes behind. Abram left Ur of the Chaldees. He left Haran and he went to, to Canaan. We leave this behind. We leave it all behind. Pastor Craig was in a passage this morning in Luke uh, where you know, it talks about you know, leaving everything behind for Christ, denying yourself, take up your cross, follow Christ, right? Uh, we treat all of the earthly loves that we have, our, our highest loves as hate in comparison with this greater love that we have with Christ or for Christ, excuse me. Um, those who say such things make it clear that they're, they're seeking a country of their own. And indeed, if they had been thinking of, of that country with which they left, they would have had opportunity to return. But... As it is, they desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Do you desire a better country? Well, sure, vote better next time then. But ultimately, we desire a better country that is a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. God has prepared a place for you if you've put your faith in Jesus. And it doesn't matter how bad it looks down here or what happens down here. This is not your permanent home. Amen? Now, do everything you can. Make the planet as, as, as habitable as possible. You know, um, be a blessing to other people. Have a wonderful home. Have wonderful children. Do everything that you can. But friends, this ain't heaven. Quit expecting it to be. Until Jesus is in direct control, as long as human beings are willing to listen to the lies from the father of lies, this is going to be a mess. And all we can do is shine the light down here. Amen? So let's do that. I want you to have these promises from Abraham because I think that they will help you to understand the kind of life that God offers to you.